This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ven a la venta sorpresa de JCPenney de jueves a domingo y descubre cuánto puedes ahorrar. Podrías obtener un cupón de 30, 40 o 50% de descuento extra en nuestra entrega en la tienda. Úsalo y ahorra en ropa de invierno para todos, cómodas pijamas y más. Además, todos ahorran 30% extra en jcp.com. Y aprovecha entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Cupón válido del 10 al 13 de diciembre. Entrega de cupones solo en la tienda mientras duren. Solo mayores de 18 años. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. Welcome to Talking Halos. We are back after a week-long break. This is Derek C. Paul with my co-host John Crane, and we have a lot to talk about, especially with everything that went down with the Astros this week, injuries, pitchers going going by. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But first things first, John, how you doing? Oh, just a week of sun and fun in sunny SoCal. And uh, welcome back <laughs> from New York, New York, my friend. Well, it's good to be back. It was a long, hot week out there, like blazing hot, like it, total heat wave. It was warm here, as usual, in the sometimes, but we had some, some warm days. But, yeah, no, I have heard about the power outages and, uh, and the heat out in New York. But I don't think we're talking about that. We're talking about Yankee Stadium, Derek. Did you get to hear Frank Sinatra sing New York, New York? At you, Yankee Stadium? You know, if he did, I probably was a little too angry to hear it. It was a uh, it was an interesting week for that because, and if people are following on social media or on Facebook or something like that, I talked about it a little bit, but I was out there for a seminar for on American capitalism being hosted by Pace University, and my class actually went to see Yankee Game on Tuesday night, but I had looked on the schedule and I saw the Thursday night was a bobblehead night, a 7 o'clock game, bobblehead night for David Cohn, the great Yankees pitcher. And that's the night that I got tickets for. So I see all my classmates go out on Tuesday night. They have a great time. And then Wednesday comes around. And this massive rainstorm comes in. It rains out the game. The Yankees wait until 15 minutes before that game is about to get underway to cancel the game. And then they schedule... A single double header, which means your tickets for that game the next day are good for both games. And they also announce that the bobbleheads will be given away before the first game. So what's that mean for me there, John? 
You're in a seminar at that time, aren't you? Or? I sure am. I sure am. And I was pretty livid, to be honest, because my, this was for my daughter. I was getting this this bobblehead for her. If it's an angel's bobblehead, you're not going near. The, the Mike Trout one you sent me, that's on my it's on my bookshelf. It's up so my kids can't get it. But my daughter loves these bobbleheads. She has a Darius Slay one for when we went to the Detroit Lions-Rams game last year. She has a, one for Youngstown State. She loves these things. She'll sit there at, at lunchtime and just play with them until she wears them out for a while. But, that, but she still loves them. And so this was for her. So when this goes down, I message the Yankees. I email them. They never reply. I call them now two hours before that game on th- on Thursday, trying to see if something can be done. And I'm calling guest relations, customer service, and I get a message saying guest relations is unavailable right now. This is two hours before game time, and of course I message them on Twitter, no response. So I w- and I was not the only fan, and I'm just a fan. I was just a visiting fan from another team who was going to see Yankee Sam for the first time. Yankee fans were ticked. These are people who are paying $45 to park. They are, they are leaving work and coming straight down the sub. I mean, it's, just, it's a big deal to change the promotion. They were furious, the Yankees, for this. And the Yankees just, the only, only, only response I saw from them was a response to one of their fans, and they said, well, the ticket, your ticket's good for both games. Well, that's fine and dandy for the people who can go and, and get to go see two games, but mostly they were drawn in by the promotion. People were selling those bobbleheads at the game for forty-five, fifty bucks. I told you, I, I, I think I might have made some remarks on Twitter or something, but um, I would, I, I told you, I would be just as furious if I was you. And I collect bobbleheads, and which, uh, and. Um, I mean, I go to. I don't miss a bobblehead game. Uh, the last game I was at, uh, everybody saw I was at. It was uh, Otani bobblehead night. Um, so I don't miss those bobblehead nights, and I would be furious about that. And I, I did tell you a story about the Clippers that mm-hmm. I went to a Clipper game, and and they um, ran out of bobbleheads. I got to the game. I don't get. I don't get there late because I'm afraid that they're going to run out. And the Angels have never ran out of bobbleheads. I've never seen that happen. But anyways, I so I go to the Clipper game, and I got there. 20, 30, probably 30 minutes for the game, and they were sold out. And I called my wife and was venting to my wife, and my wife started complaining on Facebook. And they ended up reaching out and contacting her and sending me, like, I, th- I still have them in the garage. I have t- two Danilo uh, Gallinari uh, bobbleheads and a uh, some swag, some shirts and stuff. So, I mean, it's surprising that the Yankees don't kind of have the same, you know, follow up and take care of your fan. Uh, because the Clippers really impressed me that that night when they did that. Well, what I think it really is, is they have such a huge fan base, they can afford to tick off a few fans. Honestly. Because as I'm going through the Twitter threads on this, there are fans complaining that they do this all the time. Because what they did was, again, the night before, they waited until 15 minutes before the game started. And then canceled the game. So people were already there. They paid for their parking. They bought their food, they got their beer, and they canceled the game. Ouch! That's that you know, and that's where people, even with concerts and stuff, when we when we schedule our entertainment budget, I never think about parking. 
how much parking is, Mm -hmm. our food, if you've already purchased food. And I mean, God bless Angel Stadium. I mean, I think the stadium's $10, but you can park in the the lot for five. You can park across the street for $5. There's even a $3 lot. And if you want to walk a few hundred more feet, it's free. So, um, I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, well, these Yankee fans were paying forty five bucks for for parking, and if you came in through the if you came in through the metro, if you came in through the subway, this is people are going up there during rush hour. So this it's hot, it's a hundred some degrees out there, ninety five degrees out there, it's humid, and you're in the subway stuffed in like sardines. So it's really uncomfortable. But the biggest problem with it is they didn't have to do things this way. They could have made it a day-night doubleheader. They could have kept the tickets separate and had the promotion at 7 o'clock. Or the idea that I had, and I, I've seen other teams do something similar, is have a designated spots throughout the stadium, and fans can go get their bobblehead in between the two games. At whatever time game they show up at. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. So like- if the first game ends at 6.30, and the second game starts at 7, then between 6.30 and 7, go you can go to... These specific points in the in the building, and go get try and get a bobblehead, and it's still first come first serve. Why why would they do that to the fans who have planned for that day? People traveled in for that game, and another thing that kind of ticks me off about the whole thing was on Wednesday everybody and their freaking brother knew it was going to storm Wednesday night. They knew it was two days. They knew two days in advance that storms were coming in Wednesday night because that was a hurricane. That was a remnant of tropical storm Hurricane Barry. So they knew when it was going to be there. They knew whether it was going to be an issue. And they still do what they did to those fans. And they still do what they did the next day. Ridiculous. Yeah. I, so I'm, the, I'm just as furious as you. Like I said, I would be just as upset as you. And it really takes away from the experience because, you know, you don't get to go to Yankee games every day. This was a special occasion. And you're even going to get to bring home something to your kid. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Derek, you, you mess in, in this case, you know, indirectly, directly, you, you mess with my kid. Ah, it's hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive. You mess with my kid. Yeah, I will never go to another Yankee game. If I ever have the opportunity to go to a Yankee game in Yankee Stadium or on the road, I will not go. I don't have anything personal against the actual team. It's a very good team. The stadium itself was very nice. They had, you know, it's, it looks a lot like the old stadium. I don't really care for the whole Memorial Park, the way they had it. So it looks kind of like it's just thrown there. But the hallways and everything in the stadium look are clean. They're well cared for. You find vending anywhere. If you went to the old Yankee Stadium, basically the outside of the Yankee Stadium looks great. You know where Memorial Park is, and but when you get into the kind of the the bowels of where you get concessions, it was a you know what hole in those areas. It was dirty. It was cramped. It was a dump. That's why they needed to replace it. So it's a beautiful stadium that carries a lot of the same charm that it used to have. And the experience was ruined because the Yankees didn't treat their fans well. And I'm glad that we have a, a – I mean, say what you want about the Angels, but they always treat their fans well. They always do. First 30,000. Anytime they have a promotion, first 30,000 people uh, arrive. So, I mean, you'd have to show up at, I don't know, 8 o'clock, 8, four, and I don't even know if they run out. I honestly don't. So oh, yeah, I've never thing. been in danger of running out at Angel Stadium. This promotion, promotion was for the first 18,000. That's what I'm telling you. I know so. that because I know the Clippers the same way weren't 30,000. Angels is the first 30,000. They make sure that nobody leaves that place without what they came for. 
you got to treat your fans better than that. Honestly, for for being the team that has won the most World Series, that is the most successful franchise in American sports history, to basically treat visiting fans, home fans, whatever fans, in such a way, in such a basically disregard, you know, disregarding their concerns kind of way, it's disgusting. And, uh, well, shame on shame on them. Not the entire team or the organization, but that, that part of the organization, shame on them for the way they handled things that day. All right, so you're not here to talk about the Yankees, though. We are here to talk about the Angels and the week they had, which was, it was very up and down. We The Angels go, they went 2-2 two and two with the Astros. It took two out of three with, with the Mariners. Of course, they swept last week in the Mariners. So since the last time we were on the air, I'd say they are, what, three and two? They are, you're referring to the, the, the no-hitter on Friday. Were you talking about from Friday? Well, no, or? from Sunday, basically Sunday, Sunday, because we recorded that podcast the 21st. on Saturday. So they're three and, they're four, five and three five counting and three today. Since then, yeah, so yes. it's been an interesting week. We're, normally when we are on a show and we break down this, we'll break down the series, it's going to be a lot harder for us to cover that today, especially since, it was a pretty big week. A lot of things happened with the Angels. Some some good, some bad, and, well, a little bit of ugly. But before we get there, folks, hey, we are just getting started here. But if you like what we're doing, please check us out on iTunes and subscribe. We would also really appreciate a flasher review to help us move the charts. If you want us to earn it, hey, great. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and leave your feedback there. And if you are a new listener and enjoying the show, please do us a favor. Text a friend that loves the angels and tell them about us, tell them about the show. It would mean a lot to us. And by the way, with your reviews, we've now moved up to 18. It seems kind of small, but we're a two and a half month old podcast. We have 18 listens and I mean, 18 reviews. We yeah. appreciate more listens, 18 listens. <laughs> listens. Yeah, no, we have more than 18 listens. Um, we're, we're pretty <laughs> excited overall because we were, we were looking at numbers this week and just due to your support, We've surpassed every expectation in terms of listenership since we started. And what I mean by that is, I think on our first podcast, was it 12 or 18, John, listeners? Yeah, that first, somewhere around there. Okay. and We had over, let's just say, much more than that, this last, uh, these last two podcasts. So times, times, it. times, times, times. Yeah, it's it's been bananas and... We thank you for trusting us to be a source of your angels content. Uh, content, it means the world to us, and we hope that you continue to tune in and always, always send your feedback. Okay, so first things first, the Astros series. Angels are coming off a a sweep. They in this sweep, they just hammer the Mariners. They get out there against the Astros. They take the first two there, and things fall apart in the Astros series. It, it seems to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it really begins with Noe Ramirez hitting Jake Marisnik. What did you think? Noe Ramirez found it, found it, found a spot in my heart from doing that. For whatever result was, it was that. I, I are you, you're not asking me. You're asking me if that was the game. What a game changer in the. Well, they won the game, so I think it start, I think it changed the momentum. I think it ticked off the Astros. But continue. Uh, oh, so yeah. you're saying we like poked the bear? Is that what you're saying? I think we did, but it's understandable. But it had to be done. It had to be done. And I don't, and and it, it, here's the weirdest part. I, I'm going to go off just a little side note here. 
and and I I just I'm on like a boat rocking back and forth on this Jake um, Maristic. The man obviously felt genuine genuine remorse the moment he saw um, Lacroix, Jonathan Lacroix. And I mean, I saw it in his face and the way he even, the way, and then when, when they hit him, he just ran and with the game and they hit him, he just took his base, looked down and took his base. And when they started screaming out at the dugout, chirping at Albert, he was yelling at his dugout to shut up, just no, go away, go, you know? So, I mean, but that all being said, the one thing, and I'd, I'd really, really felt, I really was starting to feel sorrow for him, but not much for the rest of the Astros team. Um, and then, you know, somebody, I, I saw it on Twitter or something, you know, he did appeal the suspension. So, you know, if he did have genuine, genuine thing, I would, maybe you don't appeal the suspension, though I'm not even sure if that's an option. I think things automatically get appealed. I, I may no, automatically get appealed. To, you choose to appeal, it's not automatic. Yeah, so that's the one thing where I question where you know because I really was coming around on him like you know not the rest of the team chirping at chirping out you know and 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 getting Alberts I think again kudos to Albert God bless him ready to take the whole team on but on his own back you know on his back and um, I um, I was at I was at that game so that was it was you know watch the the guys from the bullpen I mean yeah I know people might have issues with it but this was a team. Saying, "I got your back. I got your back." When the when the when the 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 bullpen emptied and they were running across the field, and you know the way Albert just walked over to the deck. And anyways, it, I'm proud of Noe Ramirez. I'm proud of the way the team responded under the situation, and I'm disgusted by the the suspensions for the longer suspensions for Noe Ramirez than than there were for Jake Marisnik. I got into a small debate with a fan about this, and the fan said. It is the player's right to do so. That's why he did it. I get that. I'm not arguing that. Appealing the suspension is still a bad look for Marisnik. Honestly. It's a bad look. And I think that's what got a lot of Angels fans ticked off. I mean, you know what you did. You took the guy, you took our guy out for at least, what, three weeks at least? I just don't see how anybody could not think it's a bad look. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. You were suspended for three games, not three weeks. Well, or was it and, two and games? It, it, it was two games. Sorry, it was two games, not three. Yeah, it was two and, games. It was two so games. So when, you, when you're doing that, when you're making that case, when you're talking about, well, Marissa didn't mean it. It doesn't matter if you meant to do it, dude. You broke the rule. That's all it's about. It's not about intention. It's not about whether or not he meant it. It's the fact that it was done. And when you do it and when you break the rule, there is consequences for it. And what it looks like when you're appealing it is that you are trying to avoid the consequences of it. I understand the argument that it's a, hey, it's just your right to do it. That's why you do it. But nonetheless, it's a bad look. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think Noe did it on purpose? Yeah, of course I do. I wouldn't be <laughs> proud of it. If I thought it just slipped. No, of course I do. He took he took it on his own. No. And, I'm, and, they, and they didn't. They didn't even throw him out So during the game. And I just want to be, go back to one thing, too. I want to go back and say, because I did say I was sympathetic to Marisnik. And I was. But that doesn't mean that... I didn't boo the second he stepped on the field, the second he stepped up to the plate, to the second he walked off the field, to the second he walked out, walked away from the plate. That you know, fans were on him, and I was just a part of it, a big vocal part of it. And there were even Astro fans, one Astro fan sitting at, you know, in the next section over, who was standing up and applauding him when he came out. I mean, I wouldn't applaud an angel who injured somebody. 
Um, cause I mean, he did, he did mean to hit him. He did mean to tackle him. He didn't mean to hurt him, but you did, you did mean the action that caused him to be hurt and it didn't work out the way I guess. Well, probably didn't even think about it, but well, yeah, those, there are those who are still arguing. It wasn't that he didn't mean to hit him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. The, the argument that saying, well, he was, he meant he thought LaCroix was going this way. That's why he went that way. No, you know exactly where the catcher is going to be stationed because LaCroix did it by textbook. He had his feet right where they were supposed to be. He was facing that right where they were supposed to be, and he was going to get the ball that was thrown off. That's why he reached a little bit, but he was still, if you look, his feet were still there. He had all the room in the world. It was a bad decision by Marisnik. It's not – I'm not mad. I, I respect Marisnik for the way he responded – when he got hit, and the way he was being the, the person to calm things down, I think this is a lot about his character, and it helps me believe that he didn't mean to hurt LaCroix. He just made a bad decision. He's not the villain here. He made a bad decision. People make bad decisions throughout their lives. If we're going to sit here and try and, and assign intentions to him, well, you know what? There's that old biblical story about glass houses and how you shouldn't throw stones. I wish we'd apply that to politics too, by the way. We're not going to go there. We have a lot of people in politics who are – it's the same concept for baseball, for football, or for anything else. I am not going to assign intention to him. The is He just he broke the rule. you got to pay the price for it. That's all it is. Okay, Derek. You, but, but let me see this. Do you boo him like all us Angel fans did? Do I boo him? I think I, I boo him. Until he did what he did, which was he he showed his character. He showed his character when he when he stepped up and, and calmed his people down. Because I'm going to show him booing is just me showing him my dissatisfaction with his decision. And it doesn't yeah. mean I think he's a bad guy. But yeah, if no, I'm a I fan, agree. you know, afterwards, if you keep booing the guy, and, you know, again, these guys are human. He made a bad decision. I don't believe he meant to hurt LaCroix. I, meant, I believe he meant to hit him. To try and knock the ball out, but I don't believe he meant to hurt him. And that's just life. We make bad decisions, and that was a split-second bad decision. Now, for Noe, Noe, let's let's admit it. People aren't going to let me saying this, but he broke the rule. He broke the rule. Should he have got – if he did it on purpose, then he should be he should be paying a price for it. Now, here's, here's Suspended longer than Maristic, though? Suspended I, longer I, than Maristic? I have a problem with oh, okay. that as well. Three okay. games. And I heard some folks say, well, Mers is an everyday player. No, he's not. Apparently, I haven't been watching much Angels baseball this year because these games, these pitchers are getting worn out being there almost every game. Five today, right? Five? I mean, five, but yeah, five. And so you're, <laughs> you're making that argument just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's in there a lot. He's pitched a lot better than many people thought. He's a, he's a core part of that bullpen. So yeah, losing for the three games hurts you. To suspend him for the same amount of time that for more actually more than what Marisnik was suspended when that was a retaliation for what happened. Yeah, I got a problem with it. If it was suspended two games, I don't have a problem with it because he broke the rule. The only thing I would wonder about is I'm I'm telling you I'm not judging intention. What proof did Major League Baseball have that he did it on purpose? Other than the he fact was, that it was high. He wasn't even thrown out of the game. After he, he did was, it. Yeah, he was warned. 
So yeah, he wasn't even thrown out of the game. So it, so I, you're not even necessarily saying that he did it. There is really no the umpires did not. You know, normally, uh, whoo, they you know as soon as it does, they they the thumbs up and they're out. Now I see a suspension coming, but he wasn't even told. He wasn't even thrown out of the game. Yeah, so I wonder if Major League Baseball talked to him, talked to Al Smith, and had that conversation and realized it was done on purpose. If they were watching footage over and over again and made the determination that they felt was on purpose, because otherwise, if I'm talking about intent and breaking the rules, I want to be consistent with that and say, what was there evidence that he actually broke the rules? If you're measuring intent alone, you don't always know. It looks bad because if, if it, it does look bad, it was also a really bad situation to hit him, by the way. At the time he did it, yes, it was. Did we put him out on? Yeah, it wasn't a a, a game decision, like a good uh, strategy to win the game. Yes, yeah. I agree. So, I think we need to be very careful in just saying it's one way or the other. I I would I wish I could be a fly on the wall and, and ask Brad Ausmus about it and see what he'd say. But he after the game, he said, you know, when asked about is the hatchet buried or something like that, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He said, what what animosity. So we'll see. I, I mean, it's really, it's over now. I just yep. wish that I wish across the board, it would have been handled a little bit cleaner from the very beginning, from the very beginning. And that's Agreed. all we can really do about it. Okay. That's so it. That's out of the way. But after that game, the angels got demolished in the next two games by the Astros. Astros flex their muscles a bit. Angels pitchers struggle. Matt Harvey's last game, as we now know, is mm. um, against the Astros. He's at six runs. The Angels designate him for assignment the next day. And now, as of today, he's been given his full release. That's bad. What's worse is what we got the next day. It's Andrew Heaney now Andrew on Heaney. the injured list. And he's going to be out for a little bit of time. So... As we know right now, this Angels rotation is a absolute complete mess. Well, so I, 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 just wanna, I just want to—I just want to go back to the Astros just real quick to get because I saw a lot of people talking doom and gloom about the Astros series. You tell me—you tell me at the beginning of the season or whatever that you know a few weeks ago we split the series with the Astros. We're all happy. So I mean, I know you know the the third game was ugly. Fourth game was, you know, not good. But we did split with the Astros. And um, and then, well, I'm sorry, now let's move on to the move on to the Mariners. Well, you're taking where, where we almost there. got a perfect game. It's just uh, almost a week, a week from the day that we got our no-hitter against Seattle, we almost got perfect game. a perfect game against us. Well, I, I want to make a point here, and maybe this is something we can get deeper into for tomorrow night's show. I don't think people really realize, and I'm just kind of having this realization. As of tonight, the Angels are 52 and 49. They their entire rotation has been a train wreck all year. We've lost one of our own, who was 20 percent of that starting rotation. We have seen injuries to Tommy Lastella, to Upton, to who else? I'm, Trout's been Trout? out twice now. Trout's been Trout? out twice. <laughs> yeah. Remember Mike Otani Trout? Otani yeah. came back later. Yeah, Otani came yeah. back later. 
lots of injuries that have Andrew kind of, Heaney now, but I mean that hasn't affected yeah, us I'm yet. Talking, I'm, I'm focusing on the lineup right now. We've we already acknowledged uh-huh. the pitching staff's a mess, but to look at the lineup and see where we've been, we've had guys going up and down all year. So for the Angels to be 52 and 49, people are going to want to hear this because a lot of folks don't like Brad Ausmus. But if you look at the context of where this team's been this year, he's doing a good job. I I'm never I've not been down on Brad Osmus. I mean he got he got to dealt the cards that he got dealt, and I have not had an issue at all with well you the have, way he's I mean uh, well I have with his pitching early hook. But, but but you know what but I, I want you to be proud of me today watching this game with my wife we watched today's game and I was explaining to her about how um, when uh, you're gonna have to refresh me on on because we had a new pitcher today. Uh, Paul Peters. Yeah, Peters. And then the, the pitch count. I told her, I said, look, I go, look at the, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, Kukuchi, Kukuchi. I go, look, I said, when, when Peters, look at Peters pitch count. And then even though the score was nine to whatever at the time, it was seven to nothing. And I said, but look at the, the pitch count. Kikuchi still has the same, if not lower, and he's given up seven runs. I was explaining this to my wife. You've given me bragging knowledge. Now, did she did her jaw drop and she go, oh, wow. No, but she didn't listen. She understood because I said, even though the score is so lopsided, our, our Peters ain't going to make it. You know, past past. Uh, did he make it past five? He made it past five, I think, right? Because of his pitch count, and uh, so again, so I mean, the the kid did good. He did good, but he, you know, he was he was inefficient in his pitch count, just like all of our pitchers are generally. Yeah, that's kind of the problem, though, isn't it? I mean, these guys are not efficient with pitches. They don't last long. And as a a couple weeks ago, when going through that. Live a third time, teams are hitting 322 against Angels pitchers, and it's probably just as bad now. I haven't seen the most recent number on it. So I don't blame Allison for the way he's handled the staff because he doesn't have anybody who's really producing quality starts on a consistent basis. I mean, let's be honest. Let's look at the guys we have out there now. Berea probably isn't quite ready yet. He's been getting hit hard. Griffin Canning. I love Griffin Canning. You love Griffin Canning. We love Griffin Canning. We love us in Canning, okay? But he really could have used some more time in the minors. And when he's had some struggles recently, probably hurting from what happened with Tyler, you know, he probably could have used some time down the minors to retool, polish up, and get his mind straight. But they couldn't send him down because they need him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, 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 need, um, we need pitching help. And that's why he was up. That's why he was up. Um. But I mean, I guess what we, we probably won't talk about that tonight. But we're, with the trade deadline coming up, I, we I, I'm starting to get a little. I mean, from what I understand from um, Billy Epler, the article I read the other day, he is they are going to be looking at getting uh, getting some pitching help, but only pitching help that is contracted after this season. So not just a short. Not we're not just going to take a rental. He, they're looking for longer term contracts. And now with we're only five and a half games out of the wild card. I'm starting to get a little a little uh, fanny again, where I'm just like, I mean, keep in mind. I mean, I just say this from my perspective. You're you're pretty you're a pretty uh, knowledgeable, smart stats guy. But when you when you reached out to me, I wasn't a very knowledgeable stats guy. And I'm certainly not on your level. And I think majority of fans are not stat uh, 
stat uh, geeks, if you mind. Um, and so, I mean, like that pitch count thing today, I just was like, wow, I, you know, I predicted, I didn't even know what Kikuchi was at. I said, let's wait to see what Kikuchi is at when he comes back out. And sure enough, he was at the same pitch count and, he, and he'd given up seven runs. So I kind of like going into these deep, these little things where we're looking behind the, the scenes. And, but anyways, we're five and a half out. And do you, th- do you think we should go for a wild card? Makes push. Oh, boy. You see, here's a problem. The Orioles are coming in next week, followed by the, the Tigers. That's how you're going to end the month. Yeah. And, and that's coming back again, too. We get Baltimore again, don't we? I think it, I think they're done. You've yeah. already, we've already played Baltimore. So we have four with Baltimore, three with the, with the Tigers, two the Dodgers here. The Angels right. probably finish out the month in solid position. And their record will probably be a little inflated because they're going to just beating up on, a, on two really bad teams. And then they're going to have to make this decision with the gauntlet coming in two weeks after that. And I just, matter of fact, they're going to Cleveland. It's like the first series in August is in Cleveland. Yeah, I saw that. I looked at the schedule today. Yeah, I'll I was be looking- there for at least one of the games. And I don't see the wisdom right now in going hard for it. If a team, see, Billy Up was talking about making a deal for a player who is contractually obligated for more than one year. Well, if you do that, there's a price you pay. It's going to be prospects. It's going to be more prospects than if you were getting a one-year, basically a half-year rental. You're going to give that other team more capital, which is going to be your farm. I have a hard time at this point trading farmhands because no matter how we frame it, a new starting pitcher, even one that's controllable, is not going to be the guy who makes us a World Series contender at this point. The rest of the pitching staff is too much of a train wreck. But we're talking about keeping a player, not not a rental. I am no, I am adamantly opposed to rentals. And from what I've read, call me naive fan guy, but you know the the, the big debate on Angel pages and Angel Twitter is trading. Of course, everybody everybody's now wants to trade uh, Upton, which is not possible. We have him contractually for, and uh, that's not going to happen. But a lot of talk about Cole Calhoun. Um, I mean, you don't think we could get. Uh, something with him with I don't know if you'd have to include pack, uh, uh, for Calhoun. I mean, we do have a, we do have a, an overabundance in the outfield right now with Goodwin back. I tend to fall in line with what Taylor Blake Ward had talked about before, and that is we'll probably get it. We could probably get a middling prospect for Cole. I don't see us getting a getting an arm for him. He's I, hot I, right now. He's well, on if fire. He's packaged with uh, with somebody else, but that's going to be at the unique package. In the end, though, sending us a legit arm is going to cost the Angels not Cole Calhoun, but prospects. And we're okay. not not Joe Adele. Like, there's no way on earth the Angels trade away Joe Adele. But you have a couple of guys who are sitting right behind him on the Angels pipeline there, who teams would love to have. Think of Brandon Marsh. No, we're yeah, we're because yeah, because we're clean. Joe Adele's going to be filling the the spot replaced by Cole Calhoun leaving ultimately. If, if Cole leaves, 
the Angels may decide they want to wait one more year on Joe. So we don't even know that. They may try yeah. and keep Cole for one more year. I doubt it because Cole's expensive. But they may if they feel that Joe's not quite ready yet. Do I do we believe Joe's ready? Probably. But we don't know how they want to do about player control and so on and so forth. Overall, this is not a popular take. If I am the Angels, I go with what we have. See, we've been a, we've been a part of week now, so now I've gone back. I've gone back to to you know. I don't know. I just look at. I mean, and, and no disrespect to Cole Calhoun, he's a, he's a goal. I mean, solid fielder. Um, definitely has power and has really kind of come alive. He's very, very streaky though, and tends to always start out the season very very slow um and he has come alive and which is why i'm thinking you know i i i actually tweet and i think i responded to a tweet or something somebody talking about trading him and i said i just simply said um you're never going to get more for him than you would get right now if we were to trade him for the deadline because he's he's hitting and of course his fielding's always there so he is starting to hit his batting average i still think is in the low 200s but he's been hitting a lot more lately so yeah but in the end john at his age, at the fact that he would be a half-season rental, you're not going to get a whole lot for him. He's not a pitcher. The pitcher is where the gold is right now. Unless mm. you're talking about trading somebody like a Trout, which the Angels are not going to do, and they shouldn't do. Yeah, no, I'm against trading Trout. I want to I mean, go on I, the record We're seeing that. people still talking about that. <laughs> like, no, nah, him and him, Otani, that's your core right there. You don't dare trade them. But you got people saying trade Trout. You crazy? Yeah. If the time the trade Trout was was before the contract extension. Now that you have the contract extension, you wouldn't be an absolute idiot to trade him. He's a bargain that way. He's getting paid. Yeah. No, you don't trade him for uh, all sorts of reasons. Competitive being probably the first reason, but no, nah, that's 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 like you know that's trading. No, you can't trade him. It's just. Well, the, You're gonna have anger, he, anger in Angel fans. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it would be a revolt. It would, yeah. But also just the fact that he showed loyalty to this organization, he stuck it through yeah. and came back. I mean, it would be kind of a slap in the face to trade him now, anyways. So those folks are saying, "Hey, Trey Trout, it's silly talk. It's not happening." But hey, you know what? The Angels did make a move this week. Made a couple. Yes, of they did. They picked up pitcher from the Twins, Alberto Mejia. He did pitch today, and he was awful. <laughs> Oh, uh, he pitched. fits right in. <laughs> um, but you know what? He he did he did have nice stuff, nice ninety five dollar fastball, and a little bit of movement on his on his secondary pitches. He was probably nervous in his first out of the team. I don't think it's fair to judge him now. He's had a rough year. Went in games for the Twins. Matter of fact, the Twins need pitching help, and they still let him go. But a lot of times, it's about you need a change of scenery instead of forcing a player to stay there. So yeah. I'm not ready to judge him yet. He had one bad game his first game, and quite frankly, it would be hard to just jump in there for your first game and be perfect. The other news we had this week is... Hold on. Can, uh, we, can we judge Cahill, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. By the, way, by the way, here, before we note that, the Angels did take two out of three from the Mariners this week, this weekend. And that includes a... Near perfect game for Mike Leak of the Seattle Mariners. I do want to. I, this is weird because he's an opposing pitcher. I do want to congratulate the man for an outstanding job. 
pitching a perfect game, a no-hitter a perfect game, and any, at any level is incredibly difficult. And to do it against a team that knocked you around the week before is, you know, kudos to Mike Leak. I, I followed Mike Leak. I, he came up into the Nationals organization when I was stationed out in the Pentagon long ago. Mm-hmm. And so I followed his career a little bit. He's always been a tough pitcher, a grinder, and um, a guy who could really show something. And so, again, it's weird for an opposing podcast to praise the guy, but now same performance on his part. He deserves a, a golf clap for that. Well, more than a golf clap. And the Angels, that, by the way, that night just didn't have it. But they came out. Mike Trout looks like he's starting to hit again. Three-run home run on Saturday night. Clinches up a 6-2 win over the Mariners. And then today, a 9-3 win, which I just mentioned Mejia makes his debut and does pretty poorly. Tim Cahill also gives up a run. and But the hitting overall is coming around. The Angels are they're doing fine. They took two out of three from the Mariners. They have the night off. And they have the Dodgers this week, followed by the Orioles. So... There you go. There's the full update in terms of results. Before I move on further, I do want to go ahead and say if you are interested in working with us on advertising, reach out to us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and let us know. We'd love to talk with you. You can also leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We may have a couple of announcements here coming soon. We'll see. We're talking a little bit internally, and we'll find out. And now it goes to the other part of the news. This one's not my favorite. Keenan Milton is diagnosed this week with mild ulnar... Um, I can't even say it right. It's big words. Ulnar neuritis. There ulnar you go. Neuritis. Thank you. Ulnar neuritis. In other words, cubital tunnel syndrome. I'm going to use a source here first from Summit Orthopedics. Look them up online. This inflammation of the ulnar nerve in the arm that results in numbness or weakness in the hand. The ulnar nerve is more commonly thought of as a funny bone and gets into the little finger and the half of the ring finger. Okay, so in other words, he's having some numbness. Now, this is the same elbow that he had his Tommy John surgery on, so they're being very careful. It is This is common, according to the Florida Orthopedic Institute. While the exact cause of ulnar neuritis is unknown, there are several factors that can cause pressure on the ulnar nerve. The ulnar nerve constantly sliding back and forth from the Medical epicondyle can irritate the nerve. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea what that means. Medial epicondyle. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is commonly called hitting your funny bone, as I said before. Here's the big one. Prior fracture or dislocations of the elbow. Okay, so that, remember, he, this is where he had his Tommy John. So there you go. It is does not appear to be serious as long as it's taken care of. It's, again, numbness. It's basically it's inflamed a little bit. It's not saying it's torn again or anything like that. The MRI for him came up negative. But, you know, he's a good guy, and the Angels really need him, quite frankly. So this setback hurts a little bit. He's probably just pushing himself too hard. And and uh, let's hope that's what it is, actually, because we don't want anything worse to happen to him. We can't wait to see him back at the Majors. Other things this week we do want to briefly talk about. Tyler Skaggs' memorial is Monday, I believe. Am I right, John? Oh, yeah, it's tomorrow. And they're they're being strange on the TV because they were saying they were going to air it live in the afternoon. And now they are airing it tape delayed uh, tomorrow night. I know I'm on West Coast time, so I'm talking uh, originally I think it was supposed to be like 11 to 2 or 3. And now 
It still shows up on our guide as being airing tomorrow afternoon and also at night. So I'm recording both just to make it's sure I be get in the it. Evening. I mean, I don't know. And why they're going to replay. And they're going to replay the no hitter that well that that, that one be. one of our hosts was at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zipid. Me, me. I was there. I was at the game. <laughs> um, just Anyways. real. I, I apologize. We're bouncing around a little bit. It's just again, it's our first podcast back, and we we're just trying to sort out all the different things that are going on. But for the Skaggs Memorial, again, our condolences go out to the family, go out to the team. We're sorry for the loss. It hurts us. We're, we're going to miss him. And uh, I think it's pretty obvious the reason why they do- put on tape delay is because we had no idea how things are going to go there that night. And we don't want anybody to have, yeah. you know, we don't want, you know, who's going to melt down. You want to be able to protect people and protect the, the players, the family, and so on and so forth in case something doesn't go exactly as planned. So tape delay makes a ton of sense, yeah. and um, you know this has been really hard to talk about for weeks now, and it hasn't changed a bit. So moving on, a couple little things. Albert Pujols at home run today. He joins Barry Bonds, Eddie Murray, and Frank Robinson as the only players with 15 plus home runs in each of their last each of the first 19 seasons. I'm taking that directly, I'm quoting that from the Angels PR department at LA Angels PR. Also. Just today, as you are well aware, Dylan Peters was called up, started the game, and uh, Jared Walsh was sent back down to Salt Lake. Andrew Heaney's IL, as we mentioned before, is a is retroactive to an earlier date, which is July 17th. It's a 10-day IL with, with left shoulder inflammation. We should be watching that very carefully. Also, J.C. Ramirez is scheduled to continue his rehab assignment for the for Inland Empire. That mm-hmm. was today. So we'll see how that goes as well. I'm making sure I'm catching up on all the transactions. It's been that kind of week. We've had a bunch of relievers coming up and down. You know, Justin Bohr was sent back down this week. Luke Barr was up and down. Jared Parker did clear waivers on the 17th. He's out right to Salt Lake. So basically, this has been a, a roster changing almost every day. And again, mm-hmm. this goes back to my point that I made earlier in the show. John, I'm telling you, Brad Osmith has done a good job. And people aren't going to want to hear that, but I'm not saying great job, but he's done a good job. He's done a solid job. He, I mean, it's you know, you, you do have to take into account what your what your talent you're dealing with. I mean, Phil Jackson was an amazing coach, but who he also happened to have Michael Jordan on, and he also used to had Kobe Bryant, and he had Shaquille O'Neal, and uh, you know, so I mean, no, I I, I you know I I've really come around on this guy. Um, so no, I, I will I will defend him with you. By the way, I believe Albert also uh, tied hits with um, George Brett today too. I he believe did. Is he that had a great game today? Oh, uh, Albert! Uh, he had a great game. He had a really yeah. good game today. I yeah. think what we're seeing with Albert is when he's rested, he's just better. And I guess it shouldn't surprise me. He's he's my age. He's forty. So. Still much younger than you, by the way. (laughs) Nothing more exciting than watching Albert try to stretch a single into a double or go from get get an extra base. Watching that guy chug, Uh, I saw a meme or something, a video, kind of making fun of it. But you could just tell he is busting his his butt, and uh, the guy just can't move like he used to move. So it's it's. Well, uh, if he had, then if he had then we're talking about a different career. I mean, if he hadn't got hurt, his legs hadn't given out, then we're, ta- we're probably talking about multiple playoff appearances. Yeah. If, he would, if he had been able to maintain 
his form for another couple years, it, maybe even his contract is justified long term. So mm-hmm. it's a shame because I know we come down hard on Albert, but you do. I do, and I'm not the only one. By we, I mean those who follow the team. I know. Okay, I get, I get. <laughs> but and just in terms of, it's almost tragic that the way the last eight or nine years of his career has just been this slog. And I still remember the Albert Pujols, who was very clearly the best player in the league. We think Mike Trout is the best player in the league, and he's. If he isn't, he's in the top two. But Albert Pujols in his prime was better than Mike Trout. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I don't. I don't fear like you know going back to the Texas St. Louis World Series. Every time he was like Barry Bonds against us in the World Series. Every time he came up, you were thinking this could be a home run. Just, he's going to hit a home run. And that's how he was. I, I'll just never – that's because I, I didn't follow St. Louis that much. Obviously, I knew who Albert Pujols is and kind of followed him. But it was watching him against Texas, the Texas Rangers in the World Series that was just – he was unstoppable. Um, so uh, was yes. Bonds, so we thought. But we, we ended up stopping him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean no offense, of course, to – I mean no offense to, to Mike. Mike's a great player. And I think he – given how – healthy he generally is I mean his injuries are minor little things that are fine I he has a chance to surpass Albert long term like he'll be better longer but during that patch when Albert was with the Cardinals there was no one more dominant there just wasn't like he was solid in the field he hit everything he was the most feared player in the game and it wasn't really even close and I would have loved to have seen Mike play at his peak with Albert close to his peak. It would have been something really special. I would have been that, you know, that core of that lineup would have been amazing. And again, one more time. So nobody's mad at me. And saying, doesn't mean I'm not saying that Mike isn't great. I'm just saying he is, for their age, at their peaks, Albert was better. I mean, Albert was hitting 330 every year. But you're talking a lot of, and and I'm not arguing. I I know you're not saying. I know you're not insulting Mike Trout at all. I know I understand your point. But Mike, but Mike Trout played center field. He's he's got two sides. Didn't Albert played first his whole career? Didn't he? Yeah, and if there's an argument to make otherwise, that's the one to make. Well, playing first base is now nowhere near as difficult as playing center field. And center field, he's played some great center field. Point taken. I'm. I can even clarify and say if we're just talking at the plate, yes. just the plate, as great as Mike is, and he's an amazing player, a generational player. Albert was every bit the generational player plus a little bit more at his peak. And at the root of it, that's why I'm just yeah disappointed yeah. that his body just couldn't hold out longer. I think the way Mike cares for himself – I'm not saying Albert didn't, by the way, but the way Mike, Mike Trout cares for himself, he has a really good chance at being better longer, being more productive longer than I think Albert did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, it, in the end, they're, they're both, to me, going to be first-style Hall of Famers. There's no real argument that you need to have. They deserve to be. I mean, we've only had one, which is Marion Rivera. By the way, congratulations to him for making the Hall of Fame. And, you know, there you go. 
So, folks, I know you didn't want to hear me have those comments about Mike Trout again. He's still great. He's still the man. I'm not saying he's he is the best player in the game today. I'm just saying it's more of a praise towards what Albert Pujols was than anything else. So, any final thoughts before we sign off there, Mr. John? No, welcome back. We have a couple more podcasts just this week alone, right? We're going to do so uh, to welcome you back because we had so much information uh, that we that we need to go over. So I will be actually we will be on tomorrow if I am not incorrect. Correct. We have a podcast on for tomorrow night. The plan and things change because people live. But Jeff Devannon, former Angel, who hit the cycle, hit for the cycle fifteen years ago in August. When that big, huge, I don't know if you remember that game, but the Angels scored like 21 runs against the Royals in that game. I don't remember it. He was a member of the 2002 World Series team. He'll be on the show, Jeff Devannon. And then, of course, later on in the show, Jeff Snyder returns to the show from Locked on Dodgers. Really nice guy to preview the Freeway Series. Later on this week, we'll have a podcast to look over the Dodgers series and preview the Orioles. We'll have Josh Shiroka from the Orioles podcast called Section 336. It's Baltimore, part of Baltimore Sports Talk. And uh, he'll be here to give us the preview of the Orioles, who are really bad, but are building for the future. Just want to go ahead and be honest about that. And, of course, they have an old favorite of ours, Mark Trumbo. All right, so that about does it here. If you could, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos and also search for our page on Facebook Talking Halos. We post our stuff there. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and John Crane at Jake's Crane John. Don't forget us on Spreaker, Apple Music, Spotify, geez, iHeartRadio. We are everywhere, folks. And again, if you could, don't forget to leave us a nice five star review and uh, share us some love on Apple Music. So for John, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We will be with you tomorrow night for more Talking Halos. We are out of here. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.